You're listening to Camayo's Compliance Talk by our in-house compliance expert, Michelle Camayo. Join Michelle on the latest developments, questions, and conversations surrounding employee benefit issues organizations are navigating today. Hi, everyone. You all know I'm Michelle Camayo. I'm the compliance leader here at Bolton IMA, and I work with employers on a daily basis. We're having these practical discussions with employers. I'm not giving legal advice, so be careful there. And especially during this time of year, there can be a lot of new laws passing in different states because generally governors have until the end of September to sign a flurry of laws and sign they do. So I would say keep your ears and your eyes open towards updates if you are multi-state. The objective of today's call is to help employers address and or solve your compliance concerns and issues. So Ask Michelle was created to answer the questions that are most meaningful to you, our audience members. So I do encourage you to submit your questions. I will monitor that the questions throughout the presentation. All right, so here we go. We have a half hour coming up and talking about what's going on, what we've been hearing with regards to group benefits or maybe employment law. I talk about that every now and then. And then also, I will take your questions and answers. Here we have California has expanded sick leave effective January 1. I hope everyone saw that headline. I did publish a blog post on that at starting January 1 it's increasing and it's MLR rebate season if your organization received a check from the carrier deemed an MLR rebate medical loss ratio rebate let me know put yes in the in the chat or yes in the questions I'm curious we did have several employers that did receive rebates and you should know that those rebates have to be handled in a special manner because they're often considered ERISA plan assets. And ERISA plan asset, assets have very specific rules that must be followed. I should also say that if that check comes into your organization and it gets cash and it never uh, can makes its way down to you that was re it was received it's possible that your organization got a check but it was never received possible probably not probable because what else comes along with those rebate checks is that the carrier has to send out a notice to the plan participants so what happens is your employees start coming to you saying hey i got this check that we got a rebate and then the next question is where's the money for that so you need to be prepared to address that as well with your employees if you did receive a rebate check and if you want to know the full set of rules on how to handle the medical loss ratio rebates from your carriers i have linked the article where i posted about how to understand your role as the employer and what you need to do and I would say the first thing you need to do is understand whether or not you need to distribute that rebate check. You can check your SPD for certain language regarding that. 
And of course, if you're a Bolton client, just reach out to your Bolton account team or your Bolton benefits broker and we'll be sure to sort that, sort that out for you. The federal transparency efforts are still ongoing. We're going to see a lot more about this. I know we've had some headlines due to it. And what really seems to be happening is that there's not a lot of, of buzz on this topic. There's a lot happening behind the scenes that you may not even know about. But luckily, it's mostly behind the scenes at this point. The next up is the gag clause attestations. I have a few videos on this if you want to learn more. And of course, we have distributed those to our clients as well as we've emailed our clients with instructions on what they do need to do or not need to do. And I've linked our Bolton blog alert on that topic as well. That's the gag cost attestations. With regards to employment law, you all know by now that Fisher Phillips is one of my favorite employment law firms. They are national. I just like their articles. I think they do a great job. And during the pandemic, they did a great job of helping employers sort out all of the mess, the regulations. And they did that and they, they did as much as they could free of charge. And I admired that. So I follow them pretty often. And for if you're a California employer, you need to know about the new workplace violence prevention program law that's effective July 1st of 2024. I was reading through that. Fisher Phillips has the article. They have, um, it's something like five steps to comply. So I encourage you to read through that if you're in charge of that type of, of thing. And Massachusetts is poised to be the next state to require pay transparency and pay data reporting. So if you're doing any hiring or if you have employees in the state of Massachusetts, you'll want to follow that one. It's sitting on the governor's desk. Looks like it did not have any opposition. So they fully expect the governor to sign that into law in the next couple of weeks. So if you have employees in Massachusetts, if you plan to hire in Massachusetts, you'll want to check that out for sure. And of course, it's open enrollment season. So a lot of what I've been hearing from employers over the last three or four weeks has to do with qualifying event questions or questions with regards to what they can do and can't, can and cannot do with regards to contributions and plan designs. Got a lot of questions about HRIS systems, about setting up file feeds, or um, paychecks. Also gotten a lot of questions about imputed income. That's not a fun topic at all, imputed income, that is, uh, because here in California, we have a lot of domestic partners enrolled in the group medical, dental, and vision plans, but the IRS doesn't recognize domestic partners, even if they're registered. The IRS doesn't recognize those as qualified tax dependents, unless they are according to section 152, but that's unusual. And because of that, it creates what I call a little bit of a tax nightmare for the employer and the employee, because the IRS requires the employer to either take a post-tax deduction for the premium attributable to a domestic partner enrolled, or they require imputed income on those amounts. 
And and I have been answering questions with regards to that as employers work to update their enrollment tiers and also communicate with payroll to let payroll know that the taxation has to be treated differently for those that enroll a domestic partner. So that's not really any fun, but if you're looking to be compliant, then that is something you need to ensure is being done at your organization if you're in charge of the benefits program. And if you have any questions, feel free. If your question's about open enrollment or something else that you've seen that's not addressed here, go ahead and submit that in the questions toolbar, and I'm happy to answer that. Otherwise, I'm going to move on to a question I got. Uh, someone submitted a question to ask Michelle at boltandco.com. And the question is that they're worried or they're concerned that um, they need to start following the Affordable Care Act payer play rules. So this is a small employer who's close to having over 50 full-time equivalents, so FPEs. And they want to know when do they have to comply with the ACA pay or play rules, which is when penalties start to kick in. So first, I explain that you have to calculate the number of FPEs in a complete calendar year to determine if your company qualified as an ALE. ALE is a term for employers that could potentially be penalized. I mean, that's the bottom line. Applicable large employers who have, are subject to those pay or play rules. And in order to calculate FTEs, I've written the steps out there. And just know that if you take those steps and it's determined that you became an ALE for the first time in, let's say, 2022, then your organization is an ALE for 2023, which means you need to offer minimum value and affordable coverage to avoid penalties. However, if you qualify for the first time in 2022, your first time with ACA reporting won't be due until 2024. So if you're an employer and you think you're close to that 50 FPE threshold, then you need to be paying attention to the slide, of course. Uh, most of you are probably already ALEs and you're already doing your ACA reporting and offering minimum value and affordable coverage. The next question, during a COBRA open enrollment, do COBRA participants get to enroll in plans they didn't have as an active employee? So you probably know or you've probably heard that COBRA qualified beneficiaries have the same rights as an active participant in a similarly situated situation. So what that means is, yes, if you're a COBRA participant or you have a COBRA participant and they decide, you know what, I need vision this year. They weren't even enrolled when they were an active employee, but they do have rights to enroll in vision during open enrollment, just like your other active employees. So, yes, they do have the opportunity to newly enroll during open enrollment as a COBRA participant, even if they weren't enrolled prior to their termination date. Of course, this is assuming that's already a COBRA participant. I mean, if someone waived their rights to COBRA way back when, they can't come back and say, oh, okay, it's your open enrollment. I want to enroll in Vision. Of course not. Uh, only COBRA participants are going to get that COBRA open enrollment packet. And I have, I've said that, and now I should say, 
that's something that might be missed during open enrollment. Don't forget about your COBRA participants or those um, that had a COBRA qualifying event that intersects with open enrollment because they too need an open enrollment packet so they can make their plan decisions. I like this question because it's a little bit of a, a juicy topic here. And we've been hearing this. We do hear it every now and then. There's talk about cafeteria plans. And, but there's a lot of miscommunication, myths, or miseducation regarding cafeteria plans. So someone asked, well, what is a cafeteria plan? I've been hearing a lot about them, but I don't quite understand the concept behind it. So uh, I want to explain that a little bit. So the term cafeteria plan, you must ultimately understand that a cafeteria plan is the same thing as a Section 125 plan. But the way it's structured is a, it's slightly different than we're used to seeing it. So it's structured in such a way that mirrors an array of options lined up like you might see in a cafeteria. You remember being in school or maybe in your, in your, at your workplace, you have a cafeteria style restaurant where you take your tray and you line up and you say, okay, I've got $10. What do I want to spend? Uh, uh, how do I want to spend my $10? So you're in the cafeteria line and you're like, okay, I'll take these fries and uh, add some pizza to it. And now I've got $4 left. What am I going to spend $4 on? Okay. If you're me, I'm going to spend it on dessert, but that's just me. So. That is why it's called a cafeteria plan, because essentially the employer gives the employee a fixed amount of money per month to spend on employee benefits, and that employee turns around, grabs their tray, and says, okay, I want family coverage. Whoops, all my money's gone now. That's typically what happens, unfortunately, with when you enroll in family coverage. Or they'll say, okay, well, I want, um, I want medical and I'm going to put the rest of the money that's left over, if there's any, in a flexible spending account. So it's just a cafeteria style of benefits that an employee gets to choose from when you set up a cafeteria plan. But just know the mechanism behind a cafeteria plan is a Section 125. It's just a pre-tax advantage. The appeal to employers is that they pick a fixed amount per month for the employee to spend on benefits. So no more figuring out contribution percentage splits um, or anything like that. It, it's, a, it's simple on the face of it. Just the employer picks out a number that's comfortable for them, probably based on you know, some underwriting calculations or some benchmarking data, and then they decide how much their employees get per month. Those who like this cafeteria style say it helps keep their budget in line, which I can imagine it would do because the employer knows exactly how much they're going to spend per head per month for their employees who are benefit eligible. And so not only is it, is it nice for budgeting purposes, but it also aids in controlling costs because now, again, you're, as an employer, you can budget easier. It's it's easier to administer when you're looking at a cafeteria style. I would say that could be argued, but um, most people would think that. And then as far as controlling costs, it's not going to magically make your premiums go down, but it's the employer who controls their side of the cost. That's, that's what's best in. 
they're not that common, but they are certainly out there. In fact, someone listening right now might offer a cafeteria style benefit to their employees. But me personally, with the employers I speak to on a day-to-day -day basis, they are fairly uncommon, I would say. Maybe one out of 10, maybe even one out of 20. I was doing the math on that. All right, well, it looks like you're gonna get some time back in your day-to-day. I have a few resources I always like to eat, leave you with. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Bolton blog because the blog you have to opt into. We can't just send those to you. You have to go to the Bolton blog page, go all the way down to the bottom, enter your email address, and then hit subscribe. And that way you'll get, if you want, you'll have access to all the latest news, whether it's state-specific or federal. Um, you'll have all our articles right there in that blog. If you have a group benefits related question or a question about anything we talked about today, if you're a Bolton client, you can contact your team, whether or not that's your benefits broker or one of the service team members. And of course, you can contact me. Don't forget about Mineral. They're a good resource. They have all those paid sick leave charts. They have trainings and, and much, much more. And we've talked about Medicaid and uh, Medi-Cal here in California. That's what Medicaid is called. We talked about how that might be impacting group health plans because Medicaid enrollments were um, continuous during the pandemic, and that ended in April. So a lot of employees or per perhaps their dependents will be getting a letter from Medi-Cal or Medicaid saying, hey, you're no longer eligible. And that means that these employees and their dependents might be looking to enroll in your group health plan. And this unwinding tracker that I've linked can demonstrate or show you the, the most recent numbers of per state of how many disenrollments there are. And that might give you an idea of, of uptick in activity with regards to increased enrollment. Loss of Medi-Cal or Medicaid coverage is absolutely a qualifying event for the employee to enroll themselves or their dependents. In fact, it's called a HIPAA special enrollment event. So there are, there are many laws protecting that open enrollment. We will send a copy of the slide deck with these links included after the webinar. It's always in the post-webinar email. Generally, we get to send that in the afternoon, so you'll have that within just a couple of hours. At the latest, you'll have it tomorrow morning. And also, you'll get a link to the recording, so if you wanted to go back and, and listen to it, you are more than welcome to do that. And it drops as a podcast, so if you've missed any of the prior episodes, then you can just go to Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, really. It doesn't have to be Apple. And you can type in Kamayo's Compliance Talk. And you'll find all of the previous episodes all the way back to 2020, if you can believe it or not. Thank you for taking this 21 minutes with me today. And I will see you or hear from you next month. Don't forget, you can always submit your questions mid-month at any time at askmichelle at boltonco.com. Thanks, everyone. Bye.